So let's see. Take this. Just take this off. How's everyone doing? It's good to be back all together. I know that uh, summertime and Labor Day is all kind of, but, but we're back. It's the fall season. We're excited about that. College students, welcome back. Got a lot of teens here today. And uh, I know the parents are excited to worship God today because their kids went back to school. Amen. <laughs> a few happy faces there. Football start. Football season started this week, and uh, we're excited about that. If uh, we take all kinds here, all kinds of fans, Packers fans, Vikings fans, uh, even a few Bears fans. I heard there's even a Detroit Lions fan. I don't know why, uh, but there are. But there was a few cheers there. Who besides Eli is, wants to confess and be open today? Just Eli. So he was loud. The other Michigan Michigan men, just Eli. Sorry, bro. Stand alone and stand with Jesus. Okay. Uh, but the good news for Lions fans is you can repent today and uh, come to Jesus and Bears fans. Uh, uh, okay. Um, that really wasn't what I wanted to start out the message with. Uh, so let's go to uh, Acts chapter 19. Okay, um, we got to pick who. Who of us uh, likes to arm wrestle? Okay, there's a few arm wrestlers. You know, it's interesting. Arm wrestling uh, in my house growing up was kind of a big deal. I think maybe it's a little bit of a bygone era, but uh, uh, it, it, when I was growing up, my dad was constantly challenging us to let's arm wrestle. Now, my dad was like 6'5", 250 pounds, all right? And so I was the youngest of four children. So I was, was the smallest and the weakest. And, you know, sure, Dad, I'll take you. And it's done, you know, it's over. And I was just like, oh, you know, someday, Dad. And there was a day of reckoning. I think all of the youngest siblings here can understand and appreciate the day of reckoning in life, right? That's when you could finally beat your dad uh, or beat your older brothers in wrestling or tussling. But there's something cool about arm wrestling. I see we got a little picture of, uh, of arm wrestling there. Maybe that's Grayson and Eli during staff meeting or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, um, it's something uh, cool about arm wrestling or wrestling or tussling. It's just strength against strength. And what's, what is true is that we are all in a bit of an arm wrestling match. You know, the Holy Spirit is at war with forces of evil, and we are caught in the middle. Now, sometimes we don't see this day to day. We get caught up in our busyness of life. But the truth is that there is a spiritual war going on, and we're in the middle of it. How do we know that, that we're in the middle of a spiritual power struggle? And by the way, that's today's sermon title is our spiritual power struggle. Have any of us struggled ever with spiritual motivation? Maybe sometimes we feel a little dull or unmotivated or apathetic toward the things of God. Hey, that's a sign that you are in the middle of a spiritual power struggle. How about discouragement? 
feeling discouraged, feeling down, sad, low. How about uh, anxiety? You know, a fruit of the Spirit is peace. So if we struggle or wrestle with anxiety, we know that there's forces going back and forth uh, over our hearts and in our hearts and minds producing uh, anxiety. Any, how about uh, just good old weariness? This is something as I get older that I have to battle more and more. I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted. The bandwidth of what is demanded of me is far greater than the bandwidth that I actually have. Are you with me there? And so it's a matter of battling the, the fatigue and what gets the energy and how and where, etc. Um, anyone struggle with sin this week? Can I get a witness? Anyone have to battle a little temptation? Um, how about growing and changing our desire to go, grow and be like Jesus? Do the forces of evil just sit back and say, more power to you. Good luck. He's a good guy. Go for it. No way. They're fighting against that. Uh, how about in the home? Marriage. Marriage struggles. Marriage is tough. Marriage is given as a gift from God. It's God who makes the two one. Well, guess someone else wants to make the one two, right? That's a struggle. That's a battle. How about raising children? So uh, uh, last week, my youngest child became a teenager. And so now I have three teenagers in the house. Now, it's, um, I know Christy is very, very young looking and vibrant, but she's not, she's not quite. So anyway, I, I just, I, that was the look. So there was some struggle right there. It's called the look. Anyway, uh, uh, so three teenagers in the house. Now, my teens are incredible, and I love my children. We have a lot of fun. But uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting, three teens. And, uh, um, you know, we sang the song, um, so that, what that means is in about five years, they're all going to be in college, maybe, if they decide to go to college. That's, that's their stated intentions. So, uh, you know, the song about, there's no money in my pocket, right? God is good, though. Amen. Uh, family challenges. How about as a church, the battle to be united, the battle to be spiritually uh, alert and awake, the battle to grow uh, as people to grow numerically, the battle to become more and more like Jesus. It's a struggle. We're in a spiritual power struggle, and we're going to see today, as we study Acts chapter 19, we're going to see how this struggle plays out in the Apostle Paul and in the formation and the development of the church in Ephesus. Okay, we're going to study today. This is really, in the book of Acts, kind of the last window that we see into a church being planted and developed uh, and growing, really kind of from the rest of the time, starting next week, we see Paul's journey ultimately to Rome, okay? So this is, a, this is one of the last times we see this kind of a, a window into what the struggle was that the Apostle Paul and the Christians faced in the first century, and you'll recognize some common themes that it's the same struggle that our church faces today. We're going to see the struggle. And we're going to see actually today how to lose the struggle. But then we're also going to see how to win it and how to go strong in the middle of it. And we're going to learn, hopefully, if, we're, if we want to learn, uh, how the Spirit empowers us and leads us to grow through and to ultimately overcome the spiritual struggle. Amen? 
A uh, special uh, note, congratulations to Tyler and Sadie, who were engaged yesterday. That's exciting. That's fun. But the Bible does say all who get married will struggle. So, welcome to the struggle. Anyways, so encouraging. We just try to keep it real, bro. Okay? All right, Acts chapter 19. Congratulations, guys. You're awesome. Okay, so... Well, you see here that Apollos spent some time in Ephesus, and uh, when Paul came, and by the way, in the second missionary journey, Paul tried to go to Ephesus. He tried to enter Asia, but the Spirit didn't allow him to, right? But now, on the third missionary journey, there's no talk whatsoever that there was some sort of obstacle. See, God closes doors in order to open doors, amen? So this is, we talked about that at that time. This is now the open door for Paul to come. Why was that the way God did it? Why was that God's timing? We don't know for sure, but we know that God is in control of the times and the timing in our life. And that can give us confidence um, into certain things that may not seem to be going well at the moment. Hey, God's got maybe closing a door, but he's doing that to open a door for his glory and purposes. Amen? So Apollos went there <clears throat> to Ephesus, and Apollos was zealous, he was influential, he was a bold speaker, but he was in error on some doctrinal matters regarding baptism. There were some doctrinal matters regarding baptism that he had an incomplete or inaccurate understanding of, and so Priscilla and Aquila, just a normal um, you know, couple in the church, pulled this educated, fervent, zealous, professional speaker aside and said, we want to teach you the way of God more adequately. See, it doesn't matter what credentials you have. The way of God is the way of God. And all of us can teach it. Amen? And so, but what's inspiring about that was Apollos was humble because he was a seeker of the truth, no matter what that meant. Amen? And so when Paul then came to the church that Apollos was teaching at, uh, he corrected their doctrinal uh, mistakes, and the church was humble. Amen? Are we humble to things that, uh, are, that we can admit maybe we have an inaccurate or incomplete understanding of? So I want to read uh, verse 7, actually. It says, so Paul corrected it, their baptism misunderstanding. They were baptized. And then verse 7, it says there were, there were in all about 12 Men. So there was about 25 people on a Sunday. Sometimes people call our church a small church. You want to know what actually? Our church is already significantly larger than the average church in America. Interesting, huh? Uh, but we like to or tend to always see ourselves as small. Anyways, there were in all about 12 men. Let's watch what God does with 12 men who are disciples and humble. And he entered, verse 8, the synagogue and continued to speak out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord 
both Jews and Greeks. So the Holy Spirit, with just a few men and women, but these few men and women were humble, they were committed, they were zealous, they were passionate about God. The Spirit moved through that small group so that the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Amen? Isn't that awesome? God can do amazing things through just a few people. A few people. God can do amazing things through you if you let him, if you want him to. Amen? You can have a great influence. So that's what we see here. We're going to stop right here, and we're going to do point number one. Power struggle principles. Number one, persuasive speech. Persuasive speech. Number two is going to be overpowered religiousness. We're going to get that in a minute. And then number three is going to be refreshing repentance. What are these power struggle principles? First of all, persuasive speech. Paul it says that Paul entered the synagogue, and he says he spoke boldly. He says he reasoned with them. He persuaded them. And then again it says he reasoned daily until all had heard in the province of Asia. A couple of things about persuasive speech. See, all of us are called and empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just to receive the things of God, but to transmit the message in the things of God, the kingdom of God. Are you with me there? We receive the kingdom. We receive forgiveness. We receive the spirit. We receive the blessings of God. But if, we, if they just stop with us, we're actually robbed of the, of the full experience. We are meant to be a conduit of blessing, to pass on, to transmit uh, the things that we receive to others. That's why Jesus says he made disciples, and then he said, now you go make disciples. He didn't say, I made you a disciple, now just kind of hang out out on earth for a little while until, you know, I come again or we all go to heaven, then we'll just play harps up there. That's not the vision of Jesus, okay? He's like, no, now you guys go do your part. And uh, um, so you see here, Paul was bold. He had risky conversations. How about you with your faith? Are you taking a stand where you have risky conversations, where there's risk involved? He was persuasive. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, uh, actually, you know what? I'm just going to flip over there and read it because I, I don't want to change the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God. I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. He says, we persuade men. We get persuasive. He's like, well, I just don't know. I'm not very persuasive. You actually are persuasive. Okay? Uh, I hear a lot of you guys being extremely persuasive about why your football team is better than your friend's football team. Or your music group. Or you're whatever, right? You are persuasive in the things that you're passionate about. The things that you believe in, you're persuasive. Before I was a disciple, I was mightily persuasive to get others to sin with me. And so were you, right? Um, Paul was persuasive. And he's not apologetic. I'm trying to persuade men. I sat down yesterday with some friends of ours. And we had a risky, bold, persuasive conversation with them. And I said, listen, I'm going to tell you, here's exactly my motives. Here's exactly what I want to persuade you to do. And here's why. And I'm not making an apology for it. 
Amen? Amen. Okay, he was, so he's bold, he's persuasive, and I, thir- I think many obviously became disciples, but there were some, right? There were some who responded negatively. It says their hearts were hardened, they were disobedient, and they spoke evil of the way. It's interesting, the church wasn't always called, or only called the church, it was also called the way, which is pretty cool because the church isn't just a building, that you, it was never called the building. They spoke evil of the building. That'd be weird, okay? Um, but they did speak evil of the way. So it's a family of God on the move, and we're going the way of Jesus. And there's some that they don't like that way, and they speak evil of it. Let me ask you a question. Can you handle being spoke evil of? Or is that just so hard for you to handle that you just water down all the things of God and change the things of God to fit into society instead of letting God be God and let society change to fit him? And if that's going to be the way we are, then we will be spoken evil of. It happened here. It happened to Jesus. Jesus promised you'll be persecuted. Let's just make sure we're persecuted for the right reasons. not the wrong ones. Amen, amen? Okay, so Paul, how did he handle this? You know, one of the things we don't read about, we don't know for sure, but we don't read about how he went through this time of just deep sorrow and pensiveness and, oh man, maybe I didn't do it right. And, you know, we don't see that. It says He's like, okay, well, I'm going on to the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So I'm leaving the synagogue because you guys aren't open, and I'm going over here. So he was resilient. Some were hardened. Some were disobedient. They spoke evil of him. So he's like, next, next. I'm not changing, and I'm not changing my message. And if that's your choice, that's your choice. All right? So there's a resiliency about him. And then it says he spoke daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. The Western, later a Western text actually adds the time that he spoke from like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And so this, some, so this guy's uh, probably the owner of the lecture hall. Uh, this nickname was kind of a tyrant. This is Tyrannus, probably a nickname of being like a tyrant teacher, okay? And he lectured every day in the morning. And he, either he was a disciple or he, uh, you know, just rented the hall or whatever to the disciples. But Paul went there every day and lectured for five hours. Any of you tried to give a talk for five hours? Pretty exhausting, right? You teachers who teach eight hours a day. That's awesome. Good job. Uh, it's exhausting. You go home. Paul, every day for two years, was up there preaching the word of God. He was consistent. And he persevered two years Kept on praying, kept on loving, kept on serving, kept on persuading his friends. You know, Galatians 6.10 says, do not grow weary. That's challenging to me because I can grow weary. You know, how, you, how do you get when you get weary in your soul? I know how I get. I get crotchety. I get grumpy. I get like, you know what, this is, you're going to, you see the look on my face. And I'm like, I think I'll talk to him later. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, those are symptoms of weariness of soul. The Bible says, hey, we all grow weary, even youths, Isaiah, right? Even youths grow weary and tired. 
but you can renew your strength in God. We got to learn how to do that. Okay, so that's another sermon though. But he persevered for, for two years, okay? Persuasive speech. This, bad, this power struggle that we're in, you need to receive persuasive speech from others, and you need to give persuasive speech. Amen? Okay, secondly, let's read on. Now, this is really interesting. So there's a little anecdote, a little story here where we see this spiritual struggle, and we actually see uh, these guys be overpowered, and we're going to learn from this. Verse 11 says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, we're not going to get all caught up in miracles and are they for today, blah, blah, blah. Basically, the Greek is just says extraordinary works of power. That's the language. Works of power were going on here. And we see the works of the Spirit's power all the time today. Amen? By the hands of Paul. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Now that's pretty awesome. Wouldn't you like to see that? A hanky from Paul? Hopefully it wasn't one that, you know, he blew his nose on. That's gross. But uh, an apron went, here, give me that, I'm going to take it to the sick, and they, the disease left them? That's miraculous. That's, that's actually sign, miraculous signs that the apostles' ministry was of God. That was the point of, of that, okay? But, verse 13, this is more the point of this part. It says, but also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So there were some people who saw what Paul did, and they thought, hey, I want to do that. Now, maybe they want, I want that power. We don't know for sure. Maybe they just wanted to help people, right? But they saw what Paul did. They said, let's just do what he does. But well, let's watch what happens. May, um, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Ouch! <laughs> right? Uh, well, I'm a son of Sceva. Uh, okay, well, let's watch what happens. Uh, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Point number two is overpowered religiousness. In the spiritual struggle, we got to have persuasive speech, and we got to give persuasive speech, and we, we're stronger. But we then, we, need, we, can see, we see here that if we're only religious, we are in due up for an overpowering from the forces of evil. See, the demons, they're like, I know about Jesus. Jesus is weighty. James says even the demons believe in Jesus, right? So believing in Jesus is not what Christianity is only about. Believing in Jesus 
trusting in Jesus, obeying Jesus, and following Jesus. It's the whole package. I spent 20 years of my, of my life believing in Jesus, but being as far away from following Jesus as they come. Are you with me? There's a big difference. James says even the demons believe and shudder. This demon, hate knows about Jesus, but he's not a follower of Jesus. Big difference. He's like, I know about Jesus, and I know about Paul. Now, it's, of course, Jesus is the Son of God, but the demons knew about of an ordinary Christian. Now, you call Paul an ordinary Christian. He's an apostle, but he was just a man. He was sinful. He was broken like the rest of us. And the spirit world had heard and knew about Paul. It made me think about, I wonder if the spirit world knows about the Chippewa Valley Church. How much weight do we have? Does the spirit know about you, the spirit world, would the spirit world say, I don't know who Caleb Palmer is? Or would the spirit world say, I know who Caleb is. He's in the word. He prays. He's an influencer for the kingdom of God. We got to put a stop to that guy. How about you? How about me, right? We see, we don't know from the outside, but God knows and the spirit world knows. See, these guys they saw Paul, they were around Paul. They probably used the words of Paul, but the demon did not respect nor come out of that man. Why? What was missing? What was missing? What was the difference? And the same thing happened with Jesus and the disciples. You remember Jesus, James, and uh, Peter, James, and John went up to the mountaintop, and then some of the disciples were left down below. And uh, um, the, this guy brought his son, his demon possessed. And, and they tried to drive it out, but they couldn't drive it out. Remember that story? And uh, uh, when Jesus comes, says, what's going on? And he says, well, I tried to bring it to your disciples. And Jesus is like, bring the boy to me. I, just, I wish I could have been there right now and see the look in Jesus' eye. You guys couldn't drive him out? Bring him here. I got this. And he says, be gone from him. And he's out, you know. And the disciples later were so humble, right? That's why Jesus chose them, because they were humble. They were teachable. Why couldn't we drive it out? What, 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 where were we missing? He says, because you have so little faith. Another word for faith, if you look up the, the, the original languages, is conviction. Conviction. What was the difference between Paul and these seven sons of Sceva? It was the depth of their conviction they tried to, they used the same words maybe the same forms but their heart their faith wasn't weighty there was conviction issue you know in my house i have well i've got some i have uh, we like pets okay you guys like pets you guys like dogs so i'm going to be open about my dog history okay so a few years ago we had a dog named ellie and we loved Ellie, but she got old, and she had to be put down. And uh, boy, talk about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Even the vet clinic assistants were like, "I think you need some time by yourself." You know, and they sent me a postcard later, like, "I hope you're over your grief and loss." <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. Uh, but Ellie, I'm gonna be honest. 
Ellie was a poodle. Okay? No, I don't know about you, but who of the men in the room are going to have, they're going to put on their muscle shirts, and they're going to walk down the street, sun's out, gun's out, right? And they're going to walk down the street with their poodle. You know what I'm saying? Like, for years, it cost me my man card. But we loved Ellie, and she didn't shed. That's why we had her, okay? So Ellie had to, went to the way of the earth. And so we're going to get a new dog. And I said, okay, we all loved Ellie, but it's time for a new breed. And so we got, for our new dog, a German Shepherd Pitbull mix. And I'm like, boom. That's my dog right there. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? Man, I got two man cards back. Because now, and, I, and now, it's like we're walking through campus. Christian and I would walk through campus with Ellie. I'm like, you carry Ellie, oh, please. <laughs> uh, or, and now, now, I'll have Casey. You know, I got, it's my dog right there. What's up? So anyway, um, so Casey, German... Shepherd, pit bull mix, and you think, what do you think of when you think of those dogs, right? Pretty tough. This dog, I mean, you listen to this dog bark, and you are afraid. You see that old jaw on that thing? And even how he walks around the house is like a big old stud, right? And his shoulders are wigging back and forth, you know, and, and he barks, and you're like, I'm afraid. But then you get to know Casey, and you get to know him. He's actually the biggest scaredy cat dog. He, when, when, when another man comes for, for the first couple of months, any guy that would come over, he just peed all over the entryway. I'm like, Casey, come on, man. You're supposed to protect me from this dude. He's like running around, peeing everywhere. And, oh, I gotta clean it up again, you know? I think now I look back, I think Ellie is actually stronger than Casey. What's my point? <laughs> Besides confessing my issues. Okay. Hey, it doesn't matter how you look on the outside. You can borrow, you can say the religious words, but if they're empty, there's no power. You can go through the religious motions. You can come to church. You can do the you know, kneel, sit, cross, whatever. You can, the, the cross thing. You can do all those motions, but if it doesn't have conviction and faith behind it, it's powerless. You can have all the religious traditions. I go to church at Christmas and Easter and Sundays and Saturdays. and uh, You can have all the religious forms, but all these things, if they're empty, they produce empty convictions. And let me tell you something. If that describes you, you will be overpowered by the forces of evil. And maybe it's not yet, but it's a coming, just like these guys. And, and there's something that's going to happen to you that's going to bring you to a wake-up moment. See, these people, they, they were overpowered by the forces of evil, and they were wounded, and they fled the house naked and wounded and ashamed. But you know what? I wonder what happened to them. 
It says the name of Jesus became glorified or magnified. So in other words, everyone heard about this. And like Jesus, Paul, they got the power. You know, this Jewish traditional religion, the rules-based religion, there's no power in that. And many people became disciples. I bet that maybe even those sons of Sceva became true followers of Jesus. We don't know, but I hope that they did. I hope that they responded to their wake-up call. How do you get your own wake-up call? You know, I, I speak strongly about this because I've lived 46 years. In many years of my life, this described me. My dad was a preacher. I went to church. I had my Bible. It had my name on it in gold. I knew where verses were. I went to Bible camp. I was your good person all on the outside, but there was runaway lusts, pride, pornography, masturbation, deceit, cheating in school, cheating with women. Cheat. I was uh, 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 just oh, completely overcome. I was a spiritual lightweight. I may have had the bark and the look, and I knew where the verses were. But when a push came to shove with my own heart and my own actions, I was more like Casey. How about you? How about you? You're here today, but are you a spiritual heavyweight or lightweight? Doesn't matter how you look on the outside. And listen, you can fool even yourself. But the Lord knows those who are his. How do you get your own deep convictions? How do you become weighty in the spiritual world? You have to have consistent training in the word of God, and you have to learn how to pray. And there's other things, but you start with there. You start with those two things. You know, if that describes you a little bit, we have a, we have a Bible study series designed. It's right here. It's called Follow Me. It's designed to wherever you're at. Maybe you don't even believe in God. You've never gone to church, and this is your first ever experience. Okay? Amen. Okay? Um, this is designed to meet you where you're at and help you get into the Word of God to understand who Jesus is and how not to just believe in Him, but to follow Him. Now, maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but that also describes you. There's, you're being overcome by sin. Pornography, impurity, pride, selfish ambition. That's honestly what's ruling your life more than God is. And you're in the struggle, you feel the struggle, but to be honest, you're losing the battle. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. If that describes you, you need to get into this because this is also designed to take someone who believes in God and believes in Jesus and teach them that actually following Jesus is far more than just an intellectual ascent. It's heart, it's life, it's, it's mind, it's soul. Um, so if that describes you, say, hey, that thing he said, I want to do that. And you can talk to anyone. And if they say, I don't know what you're talking about, then come talk to me or come talk to, you know, someone who looks like they know their way around here, all right? Um, and that's been an incredible blessing. That's what changed me from what I'm describing to being a true disciple. How about you? Are you being overpowered? Maybe it's because you're religious, 
but you really aren't a disciple yet. Be like these people in Ephesus. Allow yourself to be trained and taught. And by the way, train and teach others. Train and teach others. That adds strength to your own convictions. Okay, last point. Let's read on. Last point. Verse 17, so it says, The fear of God fell upon them all. The name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming. What are we saying? If they believed in God, they go to heaven, and they, have, they can't ever fall away, so why even keep coming? Because all those other things aren't really true. Okay, you got to keep coming to Jesus. They kept coming. Interesting, listen to this. Confessing and disclosing their practices. See, most of what we know about confession today is a Catholic thing that you do in a confessional booth, and you get a prescription with Mary's and other things. That's not real confession. This is real confession right here. Confessing and disclosing their practices, and many of those who practice magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Do you see the power theme? This is the conclusion. The word of God was powerful. It was growing. Not just growing, it was growing mightily. And it was winning. It was prevailing. And the whole region heard the word of God. But let's get into our last point, refreshing repentance. If you're going to be strong, if you're going to overcome Something you're going to need to do initially and almost every day of your life is this principle called repentance. Now, repentance can get a bad name, like, oh, that means I give up the things that I enjoy. No, if you want to enjoy life, then you're going to want to repent. Amen? Because it's refreshing. It adds life. It brings life to your soul. But I want to talk about, uh, so Ephesus was a very magic, suspicious type place, you know, uh, nothing against Harry Potter, but, you know, a lot of magic type, you know, this was, uh, uh, what's the place? What's the Hogwarts, okay? Uh, uh, So, like Hogwarts, okay? Um, But they found that actually it's all just hooey, and Jesus is where the real power is. Now, if you're a Harry Potter disciple, I I like Harry Potter too, okay? So I'm not, don't, don't, don't be hating on me. Um, but the point here is that they brought their magic stuff and they said, we're just going to burn it. Okay, we're going to get rid of it. We've got to get it out of our life. And 50,000 pieces of silver. Okay, does anybody know this math? Who likes math? We're going to do a little math. Okay, a piece of silver is worth, it says about a day, day's wages. Someone get their calculator out. Okay, day's wages. What's the average age wages for the average American? Throw out a number. $40 a day? $10 an hour is average in America? Come on. No. Let's, what's that, $64 an hour? Whoa, man, we got a lot. Of, I don't know where, how much money you guys make, but uh, uh, let's say $20 an hour. Average? Okay, college students are like, dude, you out of touch. Okay, uh, twenty dollars an hour. Okay, got your calculator. 
Okay, that's an that's that's a, so what's average per day wage? $160 a day. Okay, times that by 50,000 cuz a drachma was a day's wages. Okay? So $160 times that by 50,000. 8 million. So 8 million dollars worth of sin. They said, we're not going to sell it because it's evil. We're going to get rid of it. And that, my friends, is repentance. Okay? Here, I want us, I want us all to stand up. I want us to stand Everyone, come on, stand on up. Okay? We're going to do a visual of repentance. I want you all to turn around and face the clock. Face the clock. Say, boy, he's already been preaching for 30 minutes. It feels like five, okay? Uh, uh, face the clock. Now, I want you to turn slightly to the left, just slightly. And so maybe we're facing that back corner. Okay, that's Monty. Hi, Monty. <laughs> we're all looking at you, okay? So what you just did there is you slightly adjusted your angle, right? Maybe about what, 30 degrees? That was a slight adjustment. And what happens spiritually when we make slight adjustments is I want you now slowly to go back to the clock. Do you see what happened there? You made a slight adjustment for a little while, but now you're back facing the exact same way, okay? That is what happens when we try to make slight adjustments to our sinful nature. Now I want us to turn all the way around and look back up here. Okay? Now, do you see the clock? Do you see Monty? Um, are you... It would take work, right, to turn all the way back around. Okay? Okay, go ahead and sit down. Okay, what you just did... The second time, that's repentance. You turned all the way. See, guys, for years, I thought, you know what? I need to work on my lusts. I need to work on my pride. Next time, I'm going to try to be a little less prideful when the stars align and I see that somehow I was wrong, wrong, wrong. <clears throat> I can say it wrong, okay? You know what? You did not repent of your pride. Right there. Because pretty soon you just adjust it a little bit and you're going to be back. You try to repent of your pornography, sexual addiction by, mm, I'm going to do a little less. You try to repent of your alcohol addiction. You know, I'm going to go from uh, four drinks when I go out to party to three and a half. And I'm going to gradually cut her on back because I don't want to be overly extreme. How, just let me ask you, how's that worked for you? That doesn't work. That's not how the sinful nature. It's, it's time for some of us to turn all the way around, face the other direction, and when we do that, what can we do from the clock? We can run from temptation and flee. Are you with me there? And so this Real repentance uh, is an, usually a response to some sort of wake-up call. Either we got caught or there's been some sort of a 
accident or the death of a loved one or a near-death experience ourselves or some sort of consequences start us hitting us full bore or there's some sort of suffering or trial that we're experiencing. And it's been a wake-up call, just like these guys had a wake-up call. And listen, if we don't listen to our wake-up calls, the calls get louder. Because guess what? God doesn't give up on you. The calls get louder. Jesus said, repent of your sins before something worse will happen to you. How quick do you pick up the call or do you just hit ignore and going back to it? Okay? And then there's openness. You want repentance? There's got to be a wake up. There's got to be a moment where you say, enough is enough. And I'm turning all the way around and I'm walking the other direction. And I'm open. They're open. They, they, they talked about their habits. They confessed. They brought it out into, they didn't just burn their books in private. They brought them and they did it together. There was public, there was openness. And there was costly change. Costly change. $8 million worth of change in this city. What if the city of Eau Claire put down $8 million worth of sin? Would that not change our city? Would that not let the word of God be spread to the whole region? How about we just start with ourselves? You want to change the world? Start with that old man or woman in the mirror, according to Michael Jackson. Right? And you'll change the world when you change your own heart. The Holy Spirit changes you. There's costly change. There needs to be expulsion. I remember in my family, my dad said there was too much TV in our house. And it's ruining our family. So guess what my dad did? He took that TV, yanked it out of the wall, took it out to the trash can, and put a log through the middle of it. And we were like, oh. Our lives are gone. Oh, man, we were mad. And, of course, the entrepreneur in me was like, well, at least you could have sold it, Dad. It's like, not the point, son. Okay? And guess what? He went out and bought ping pong table and pool table. And guess what we started to do? Actually be together. Okay? Costly change means expulsion. Changing habits, not just an action here or there. Maybe it means changing the people you hang around. Maybe it means there's some bad influences in your life, and that needs to change. No, they'll be mad at me. Let it go, okay? And maybe it means changing your pride from someone who always has to have it together I've always got it on straight. I always got to be right. I always got to prove how much I know to turn completely around and say, please teach me. Please teach me. Please help me to be poor in spirit. Amen? This is how we will overcome the spiritual battle. This is how you'll win that arm wrestling. Uh, through persuasive speech, through... Uh, uh, a religiousness that's not just a religion, but that it's conviction of your own and not borrowed, and uh, refreshing repentance. You know, I'm, it's time to prepare for communion. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he went to the cross, and he was in the middle of the wrestling match of his life. He was in the middle of all the forces of evil trying to overpower him, and get him to go the easy way out. 
to get him to go the crossless way out. Is there another way? God, please, any other way? Yet not as I will, but as you will. His love for you and for me was what ultimately overpowered the temptation to go another way. No, this has to be done. This must be done. And by the grace of by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. I asked Will Mivis if I could share this, because Will and Eli and Chase Bradle and I were, were studying this about the cross yesterday and about Jesus. And Will Mivis, Eli just did an amazing job of expounding the cross for Will and helping to understand it. And Will Mivis said this, and I wrote it down, and I asked him if I could quote him. He said this, Jesus is beast. And that's pretty dope. See, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely relatable to those millennials. But we remember Jesus because he is beast. And what he did is pretty dope. Now, all seriousness, Jesus is the Son of God. And he went to the cross for you and I because he loves us. Let's take time to remember and honor that right now. Father, thank you for this uh, uh, time in, in Ephesus and this time where we see the spiritual battle. and We so relate to that in our own lives, in our own church. Father, I pray that we can be a group that together repents, together has our own convictions. And we're not just going through the motions. Father, if we're guilty of these things, help today to be our wake-up call. Help your word, your spirit to convict us, to cut us, to, to bring hope and new life to us. Father, help us to be persuasive and not uh, a timid, uh, letting the word of God persuade us and we persuade others. Father, I pray as we remember Jesus, we see all of this encapsulated, this amazing man who faced every temptation that we faced and yet was without sin, but yet laid it all on the cross, took all our sins, all our shame, all our shortcomings, took it on himself on the cross and was paid the penalty, was buried but by the same power that we see in the book of Acts, was raised to life again. And this power is within us who have been baptized and repented and made Jesus Lord. This power lives in us. Help us today to be empowered and emboldened by this spirit as we remember Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.